0: As you are data driven with your experiments, you also need to be data driven um, and systematic with the way you're running the experimentation program and the resources behind it.
1: Hello, Experiment Nation. Welcome to another episode of Interviews with Experimenters. I'm Tracy Laranjo, and I want to help you become a better experimenter by asking experts the silly questions so you don't have to. Today our special guest is Edgar Spongolds, Director of CX Optimization at Spiro. In case you didn't know, Spiro is one of the most well-known experimentation agencies in the world and was founded by the same people who brought you CXL. In this episode, we learn all about Spiro's experimentation maturity audit and how you can use it to level up your own experimentation program. Edgar dives into the four pillars of a successful experimentation program and the five levels of program maturity. Want to see how your program stacks up? Check out the link in the show notes to take the maturity audit yourself. Now without further ado, here's Edgar. Hi Edgar.
0: Hey. How are you? Good. Thank you for having, having me.
1: Of course. Thank you for being on the show today. Very excited to have you. Um, I would love for you to share uh, a bit of your history with our listeners today. You have quite a bit of an interesting history and definitely want to know more about that.
0: So where do I start? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, back in the day, I used to run my own IT company. Uh, so essentially built that from scratch uh it took me 10 years. After I sold this, I joined CXL, or back then, it, I guess it was Markitect. Uh, that was seven years ago. Uh, joined as an analyst uh, and worked my way up to the COO level from there. Uh, and now I'm the director of product uh, at Spiro. So kind of went through a couple of iterations of the legal entity uh in the meantime so here i am
1: awesome how did you go from cxl to spiro what was the, the path there
0: so kind of most of those changes were actually kind of uh, initiated by by the management right by the owners So they kind of changed the direction of the business uh, and and, uh, split some some spin-offs from the main brand. So CXL used to be, it started as a blog and then there was an agency. uh, And uh, until uh, the the CXL Institute was created, everything was under the CXL umbrella. After the CXL Institute was created, um, PIP and, and team decided to keep the CXL brand for the institute and, and spin off uh, Spiro um, as the optimization agency. So that was the that was the change. So it's, it's just kind of uh, making sure it all works for for the business purposes. Uh, so there's no functional difference within the agency. So the, still same people, still doing the same thing, just uh, the brand change.
1: Very cool. So speaking of Spiro, today, uh, I'd love to ask you about Spiro's experimentation maturity audit, uh, pretty much the whole topic of our conversation today. Um, Now, for any of our listeners who are not familiar with the experimentation maturity audit, could you please explain to them what it is?
0: Mm -hmm. So I'll, (laughs) I'll start almost from the beginning. So I think it was my second year of being an analyst uh, in Spiro slash CXL. When I started noticing that uh, our uh, experimentation function is being hampered by adjacent functions, right? Uh, We are running tests, but the analytics can't keep up and actually measure the things we need to measure. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we're doing a really good job at designing and and, and running the tests, um, but the implementation team can't really... Set them live because their implementation cycle is too long, too complicated. There's, there's, there's problems. Something is bottlenecking, pretty much my work, right? <laughs> so, um, so I started expanding our horizons. I, I started to kind of push, uh, our product development in the direction of adding, um, at least on consultants level, some services that help clients get better, overall. So. Um, getting better at UX, getting better at research, getting better at test building, getting, with everything that's associated with testing. Right, so that's where it started. And year by year, I added, or kind of, we added um, different functions, uh, different areas of expertise. We got better ourselves in those those areas as we practiced. So that was the background of the experimentation uh, maturity services and and audit as well. And the audit itself currently is there to, or at least the website version of the audit, is there currently to to assess or give a kind of a high level overview to the customer uh, or potential customer uh, and for, for us as well on where they are on maturity scales. Um, so it, it looks, looks at the four different pillars um, of what we deem as essential for for running a a good high quality experimentation program
1: very cool now i do notice that there there are two different types of audits uh within the spiro umbrella there's the maturity audit that you can get as a spiro client and also one that you could just take yourself online kind of like a survey um Mm -hmm. What's the difference between the two? What's involved in the uh, client side version that's actually initiated by Spiro versus the one that you just kind of take online?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Actually, there's one more. So uh, oh. we we baked in some maturity work into our testing retainers as well. So Spiro as an agency uh, uh, runs experimentation programs for for several clients. <clears throat> so we we offer. A light touch version of the maturity audit within that service as well. Uh, it's included with the uh, optimization service. Um, so essentially, it's a gradient of um, of assessing the maturity. So it's you know kind of light touch, or even you know lightest touch than light touch, and then actual kind of thorough audit, right? So. The one that's incorporated within within the optimization services, that's the quickest and easiest version. Uh, it's most superficial as well. It just gives you know, a couple of points uh, and indications uh, about where the organization is or part of the organization. The one that you can take on the website is more thorough. Um, and uh, it maps all the four pillars we have. Uh, it goes a little bit more in depth. Um, and that's used as an entry point to you know, for further discussion on you know, kind of where do we need to get more granular? Where do we need more information to actually be able to come up with an applicable roadmap of improvements and and uh, and upskilling and and uh, that sort of thing.
1: Awesome. Now you've mentioned the the four pillars a few times. We'll we'll definitely get there. I'm sure our listeners who aren't familiar with the audit are are wondering what the four pillars are. But in terms of maturity as a whole, why is experimentation maturity important? And why is it important to know where you land in terms of your your program's maturity?
0: Mm-hmm. So if you already have an experimentation program um, and you want to get better, uh, then the maturity framework gives you a clear overview of how to get better. Um that's the main main purpose of that um, and um, to be to be honest the entry point or kind of the the discussion starter for for a lot of our customers is you know how can we uh, you know run more tests or how can we get more winning tests or kind of essentially they're they're looking at their experimentation program and thinking you know we are running something uh, but we want to squeeze more performance out of it and usually they come in with um, you know, simple questions of, you know, kind of, can we, you know, tweak our process a bit um, and, you know, kind of increase the velocity of our testing, for example. And then <laughs> uh, usually we get to the situation where we identify some some fundamental issues uh, within the strategy or within those those pillars, right? So, we identify issues that are actually bottlenecking their their performance so it turns out to be not that simple of you know kind of let's tweak the procedure here a bit and we'll be able to push out 10, 10 more tests a month for example so forth. so because the experimentation process is pretty multifaceted and there's a lot of stakeholders involved usually if the, especially if the company is mid or bigger uh, you have compliance. Uh, you have uh, different guidelines in terms, of, in terms of legal, in terms of copy use, in terms of visuals. Uh, you have standards for development. Um, there's there's a bunch of boxes you have to tick. Um, and if you, for example, want to increase testing velocity, it's it's not enough to, for example, I don't know, hire another CRO expert or get some more resources into the development uh, side of things. You need to make sure that the the entire um, production cycle that goes into creating a good experiment and actually applying that is able to deliver. Um,
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, one thing that I really liked about the audit was you don't know what you don't know. So when I was taking the, the online version, I would see uh, different, uh, I guess, how do I word this? I would see the things that I'm not necessarily doing, and that's kind of a hint to me that maybe this is what they do in those uh, higher maturity uh, experimentation programs. This is what they have in those higher uh, maturity experimentation programs. So it's really helpful as kind of a pulse check on yourself. Like what am I missing exactly in this program? It's not spirit. Like I, I have that it might come down to, like you said, like your resources or just the process as a whole it's bottlenecked somewhere. So it's been really useful. I would say, uh, from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, what do you hope that experimenters take away from the audit and, and apply within their own experimentation programs?
0: I think you just mentioned the, the, the main insight they, <laughs> they, they should take away. So, so, and to put a bit of a caveat there. So the items we're asking for, the, the, the items that we're calling for uh, on the website version. um. The, there are rare instances where the companies that are taking the audit actually can tick all the boxes there. So that's in some sense the ideal situation. So if you if you don't have some of the components, it's not such a big deal. Uh, it might be, but it, it depends on your context, right? Maybe you're not that big. Maybe you don't need to have a department or a dedicated person for for a given function, so so forth. But the main takeaway I think that I want uh, experimenters to take from that, that is is That you, you know, as you are data driven with your experiments, you also need to be data driven um, and systematic with the way you're running the experimentation program and the resources behind that, right? So you have to know what feeds into what, what's the process of, you know, getting from A to Z, um, how does that play with your company strategy, your data strategy, um, ideally, right? Because if you, especially if you're managing that experimentation program, to effectively manage that, you need to have the overview and you need to understand how the processes work. They need to be transparent. They need to have feedback me- mechanisms. So, you know, it's not a surprise that you uncover something that, hey guys, we, we built this awesome solution here. And, you know, our data lake can't really support that because X, Y, and Z, right? So, um I think that's the main takeaway. So be as data driven about the experimentation program as you are with your their experiments themselves. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's a great takeaway. Now you had you had mentioned you know you're not going to tick off all of the boxes in the audit, but have you ever encountered any programs that came close to checking all of those boxes off, like one of those gold standard uh, maturity programs?
0: Uh, the, the honest answer is no, there is a user that comes close. It's Uh, (laughs) test.spiro.com.
1: That doesn't count. Uh,
0: but no, so there have been some rare occasions where a person from a company gets straight nines and tens, uh, in all the boxes. But then it turns out that they're not aware of something. <laughs> so it's it's, it's, a, it's a person that's siloed in, in one department, for example. And once their colleagues get in there, the picture changes. So mm-hmm. for an entire org, there's no no such thing. And I think in general, there's no such thing. Um, and, and if there are, I would love to talk to them. Um.
1: <laughs> that's that's really good to know. I was wondering about that. Just how hard is it actually to achieve a kind of... Like you said, like checking off all the boxes, but it sounds like it's it's actually quite difficult. Now, um, this question came up from one of our listeners, uh, just out of out of their curiosity. Um, have any measures been put in place to protect any sensitive information submitted through the audit?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, there, there is um, so. In terms of data compliance, it's stored in a secure location, and we actually don't collect sensitive data with this audit. So, if we're talking about the web version, it's just scores. Um, so there's no sensitive information aside, maybe from the email, and that's you know kind of behind lock and key and encrypted. So that's all good. Once we get get into the audit work itself, then there's an NDA and also, uh, you know, scope of work that uh, sets the boundaries and sets how the, the data is uh, managed and stored and, and processed. So that's, that's, that's all good. So um, the, the point of the audit or the web version of the audit is actually not to tick all the boxes. So um, we're asking for so many things, uh, because we want to want to get kind of a wide coverage of, you know, where the company or the organization sits. Um, and it's totally okay to not have a function uh, present in the org or not have a dedicated person or not really have a written down strategy on something um, in some cases. So the, the actual evaluation of, you know, kind of what's needed, what's, uh, what's critical and what, what's kind of nice to have happens once we get the more granular context of the company right what's their size uh, what are they doing online in general uh, how are they structured and uh, what do they have in terms of internal resources how maybe they're outsourcing something from somewhere so we always take the audit result and then follow it up with a with a, with an interview with, with some more data so we get the context as well uh, so that the report results from the report, uh, it's just the entry point to the further discussion. So it's not to say that the score you're getting is you know kind of condemning you in some sense, right? So
1: Definitely. yeah, that's a, that's a really good a good takeaway as well. Now you had mentioned the four pillars uh, a few times. So what what are the four pillars of the maturity audit? I know it's it's a very important piece along with the five levels, but uh, the, the pillars specifically, what are they?
0: There's strategy and culture, um, which focuses on the general strategy and culture of the company, uh, is the management and and the teams on board with data-driven experimentation and data-driven processes in general. Um, There's process and governance. So that answers the question of how was the strategy, strategy delivered, and how are those goals being met? What are the process and governance that makes it happen? Uh, then the third one is people and skills. So, you know, you might have the perfect strategy and, and perfect processes, but if you don't have the, the people and skills in house or, you know, outsource as well that can actually deliver on that strategy and those processes, you know, they won't be any use. So, making sure that there's capability of actually delivering on those as well. And then the last one is data and tools. So, do you have um, a a tool stack and enough data to actually be able to measure all of these activities. And I do mean all of these activities. So in our view, uh, strategy, all the aspects, or the all the pillars should have uh, feedback mechanisms built built in and you know to the the granular level as well. So it makes sense. So for example, if a C suit creates a strategy, they need to have a feedback mechanism um, that says, you know, your strategy is working or your strategy is not working. And on a granular level, it works for, you know, this cohort, Or it it works, you know, for that department. But uh, how you're measuring uh, all of these activities is important. So um, the data and Mm -hmm. tools are really, really crucial in some sense.
1: Definitely. Do you find that there's any one pillar where um, you see the biggest gaps
0: Mm, yes, so, um, so if we're talking about bigger companies, then usually this the, the gap is in the strategy and culture. Yeah. So they usually start off with uh, talking about people and skills and data and tools and processes and governance, um, because that's in some sense easier to address. Uh, but then when we get to the application phase of saying, hey, guys, you know, let's build this, you know, new system of governance, new processes, let's maybe hire some new people and and and, and fill the gaps within the capability. Then it becomes apparent that the culture doesn't actually support this approach or the strategy is actually built in another way that doesn't support this, this exact approach. Right. So um, and. Yeah, that, that's a problematic area for sure. So there's ways around that, but there are, it's, it's a rare company that actually has everything set up from the management side to be able to be data-driven and um, they're driven in a good way. So kind of let go of their own ego in some sense and let's go of, you know, kind of my opinion matters the most here. So um, that's a challenge for sure
1: very interesting. You also said the o word, the the worst word, the worst swear word in our in our line of work is the opinion word. Got <laughs> <laughs> to get a lot of those. Now, uh like to to cl- kind of close off on, on the four pillars. How did you ultimately identify what what's important for maturity?
0: Um so it was an iterative process. Um uh i mean in in that sense we are standing on the shoulders of the people that came before us um i think the first the oldest maturity model for cro that i found was from 2011 from craig sullivan (laughs) so uh some of the work or some of the some of the parts are, are are actually from there um but essentially what we did, we, we, we just looked at our work, right? We, we, we have been running an experimentation program, not an experimentation program, but we have, we have been running experimentation programs for years, right? So we just tried to create a holistic, um, if you will, uh, set of uh, disciplines that we need to have in place to be able to run an experimentation program without being hindered by any functions. And that's what we used as, as the initial roadmap. Uh, and then as we worked on that service and kind of, you know, testing, you know, we're an optimization agency, testing that service out, <laughs> uh, we came up with, uh, with the four pillars and, and the, the sub pillars as well. So the four pillars is the first layer, there's actually sub pillars as well. It gets really granular. There's connections between those pillars and so forth. So, um, yeah, very cool.
1: Now uh so those are the f- the four pillars there's also five levels to the maturity audit, which ultimately will kind of tell you where you stack up, uh, in terms of maturity, uh, of your experimentation program. Uh, this is the part where it, it really kind of came together for me after taking the audit, just where, uh, I line up in, in my experimentation work. It's really helpful to actually see that. Uh, otherwise, you know, there's really no benchmark for it. I just kind of hope I'm doing the right thing and I am I have the right stuff and just kind of wing it. So it's really helpful to see where I do line up on, on that pyramid of levels. So mm-hmm. could you tell our listeners uh, what the different levels are and the approximate traits of each of the levels?
0: Yeah. Mm. So yeah, that, that's a really good question. So the there, there are five levels, uh, and the levels were created um, mainly to be able to kind of give uh, a high level overview of where where the company is, so they understand you know in broad sense where do they stand. Um, but it's a, a bit like with 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 test post post analysis for tests, right? So you kind of you need to understand the data. <laughs> and and what those data points mean to actually come to a valid conclusion, right? So just having having, uh, maybe one data source that's statistically significant and the signal is good uh, is not enough if you don't understand how the the test was designed, what was the purpose, uh, et cetera. So it is an abstraction in that sense. Um, But the levels are beginner. Uh, The beginner, um, essentially, that's the first steps. Uh, they have an experimentation program, uh, they are running tests, and, you know, they're essentially, you know, doing spaghetti testing in some sense, right? So a good example is a company that has just bought a license for a front-end-based testing tool. They're using the testing tool to uh, run tests. Maybe they're using using a visual editor, they're using uh, the A-B testing tool's own statistics engine to um decide and test results so forth. Uh, the lex- next level is aspiring. Um, that's the, the next level. So they have run tests already. They have some experience on you know kind of what data can they rely on. You know, maybe they have already moved well actually hopefully they've they've moved from a visual editor to you know Actual editor for CSS and, and JavaScript uh, or other, other tools as well if needed. So they're getting proficient a bit uh, in some areas. So they understand that you know, they need integration with analytics tools, they need you know better design, they have read up on kind of what are good, good practices and whatnot. They're they're getting better. Uh, the next one after that is progressive. Um, this is where it kind of all starts to, you know, make more sense and get more traction internally, right? So, this is where um, the, the the company starts to realize what is the potential of data driven growth. Um, they they have gotten good results from uh, from tests. They see that even a losing test is. A valid test. So learnings from losing tests maybe have you know given them even more insight and get get gotten them more business value in that sense than maybe winning tests overall. They're learning. They're getting better. Their data quality is better. Um, they have augmented their tool stack. Um, they're not just relying on A/B testing data that is coming from the tool itself. Um, you know maybe they've already you know kind of. Uh, improve their processes and, and, and expertise in-house. Um, then the next one, the fourth one is strategic. So this is essentially taking the same approach that I just described and, and being serious about it, right? So <laughs> hiring an in-house team uh, that can actually run the, the program. Uh, You have a person that's responsible for research, for for design UX, you have a CRO expert that manages the entire program, you have a data team, or at least a person, uh, dependent on the company side, uh, that is looking at the data and making sure the insights are valid. Um, And you're really kind of putting your back into it. So you might even be doing some service or product development here um, in terms of, you know, testing new product features, new ways of, you know, kind of um, working with 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 the customer within the product or within the service, right? So, well beyond just you know front end based uh, testing and 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 only website solutions, if you will. And transformative is in some sense the the lead status, right? So this is the. <laughs> transcendent company that doesn't really exist in some sense. Uh, you can get there, <laughs> you can get close, but I don't think you'll ever get to you know kind of 100%. Uh, I can't go any further. So this is a company that in ideal circumstances has perfect visibility in terms of data from first touch to last touch uh, with their customers or, or potential customers. Their entire tech stack is stitched together. Everything talks to everything else. Um, They have processes um, and tooling in place that governs the entire process. Uh, They can test wherever they want. uh, They can correlate any data point to any other data point uh, within the journey. Their acquisition is integrated. Their testing is integrated. Their test development is integrated. uh, Their uh, service and product development is integrated. Uh, They're looking at all the metrics that they can and some more. Uh, so, um, you know, sales, lead generation, uh, also long-tail metrics like LTV uh, and, and others, they're probably augmenting their stack with some AI and machine learning solutions. They're using data enrichment. So essentially throwing everything at the, uh, and, at the sink, at the optimization, and kind of going all in with being data-driven and using the scientific method to improve their business across the board.
1: Great. You said a lot of interesting things there and a lot of questions kind of came up for me. Uh, One of the big questions is uh, at what level do you max out as a one-person uh, experimentation or optimization team. I get the sense that at level four, that's when you you start having a, an actual dedicated team around you. Is level three kind of the last uh, level where you're just on your own as a strategist pulling resources from other ends uh, of your team?
0: Mm-hmm. I would say so, yeah. It's, it's the enthusiast stage. So you already know it works. You have mm-hmm. some experience experience, you think that you know how it's being done and you're kind of running with it, then you're getting better all the time, right? But you, you you, still don't have the polished processes. You still don't have the strategic approach. You still don't have all of these components that are needed to actually scale um, and, and be you know, really good at it systematically, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that's the that's stage there and strategic kind of fixes those issues.
1: Cool. Yeah, and then I guess I'm also very curious to know uh, how rare is it to find uh, a level five org or program? It sounds like it's quite rare, actually.
0: Mm, it's quite rare, indeed. Um, I mean, some. I mean, th- there are parts. You know, Facebook. There's, there's Microsoft. There's, there's. No, I mean, the, the big organization out there. Organizations out there um some some parts of it them at least kind of show those those traits uh but i think the the the, the issue with that level is that there's there's a there's a roi <laughs> component to this right um it doesn't make sense to kind of go all out on your optimization program if your revenue isn't there to support it because all of the high-end tools, integrating your stack, um, you know, kind of having a CDP that, you know, has all the data points it can, running, you know, complex BI solutions and predictive models. Um, that becomes relevant when you have a lot of revenue, when you have a lot of sessions, when when you're pretty much big, right? So there's there's that part to it as well. And I think that's, That might even be a bigger part of, uh, you know, why those examples are so rare and why those mainly are for the bigger corporations.
1: For sure. Now, on the flip side of that, where do you see most experimentation programs rank? What's the most common uh, level?
0: Um, The most common level is between aspiring and progressive. Uh, they usually think they're strategic, but <laughs> but actually are aspiring or progressive.
1: Mm-hmm. That's about where where I fall <laughs> as well. It's it seems like a very um, difficult jump to get there. But is that the most difficult level jump, or is there a different one?
0: Uh, that's a really good question. Um, so actually yeah it's contextual so as most things are but you know, let me let me frame it. So if you have a senior let's say say a CRO expert anywhere near you you know employed great you know on your friends list you know you know kind of you know a person that's been running experimentation programs for years, then it's not difficult because they can tell you where the rakes in the grass are. And why you should actually go progressive, or what, when, or when, or when do you need to go strategic, so forth. But I think the issue is that a lot of those people that are growing with the company from the beginner stage, uh, they often don't have the capital to push the entire org past some points, right? Because it needs structural change in some sense. It, it, it needs to, it needs for the organization to say, hey, you know, we will be you know 100 maybe 90% <laughs> not 100% but 90% process driven and data driven we need to have those data points you know we'll we need to run things differently to be data driven and that's where the hurdle is um y- usually it's the case that the experimentation team or the CRO expert just bumps against other department heads or management that says hey you know you're doing an awesome job but how do we really scale this up to the org level to be able to, you know, feed and kind of leverage the experimentation uh, processes for the entire uh, organization? And that's where I think they, this, you know, and that's that's not the fair question to the CRO expert either, right? So that's, that's where we try to help. And that's where our value, I think, comes in as well.
1: Very cool. Now, what, really is kind of the key to, to getting to each level. I know that there's, there's a different key for, for each one. But, um, if you could just kind of sum up into, you know, one thing, what, what is really the most important piece to getting to your next level?
0: Mm, that varies pretty wildly depending on the work size and time. Um, but I think it's 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 actually pretty smooth sailing from beginner to almost progressive. Mm-hmm. Because the beginner just means that you know you you've heard of experimentation and you want to dabble in experimentation. So depending on your org size, this might be one department or this might be one product or whatever it is. You can test it out, see what what's what's what, and get to aspiring pretty quickly without any hurdles really, because that's the stage where you know you're run of the mill testing tool will do 99% of the job and that's it you'll get your your data from there maybe you even can, can run some polls and get some research done stuff like that so that's where the the, the multi tool front end based uh, testing tool shine uh, so it essentially fast tracks you to aspiring when you're into, in in the aspiring phase then it's a question of getting traction It's a question of, you know, can I tell the story to the, you know, the rest of the organization and make them see that, hey, this is what we're doing is interesting. We're not just kind of fooling around here, uh, that we're actually producing results. We're actually producing insights that are relevant across the org, or at least, you know, other departments as well, you know, support, product service development, you know, kind of feeding all the departments with with some in, some insights, and once that is done, I think that's a PR or kind of a, I mean, some sense internal sales question. Once you once you are successful in that, you you almost automatically go into progressive, because everybody gets excited. It's like, hey, <laughs> we have a potential goldmine here. Let's let's leverage it. Uh, that means more resources. That means more support internally. And I'm just talking about kind of a average scenario here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once you're in progressive, it's like, okay, we got more resources. You know, we can um, we can do more things. We can uh, um, get more departments and stakeholders involved. And then usually it's the make or break point because up till then the testing program usually didn't have to scale rapidly and it didn't have to work with you know tens or hundreds of stakeholders and i think that's the hur- that's the biggest hurdle of going from progressive to to strategic is that can you scale this program so it actually maintains its quality it maintains inclusiveness and is functional for a bigger org you know, a lot, lot of stakeholders. Can you create the processes? Can you create the artifacts? Can you create the responsibility matrices that are that are needed if you want to scale it and make it more systematic? I think that's the biggest hurdle to to overcome. And once you're in strategic, you know that requires a lot of work. Usually, that means that you already have the processes in place test idea submission you know starting from the beginning how do you do research uh you know kind of what kind of resourcing do you have uh how do you get test ideas how do you validate them uh you know essentially i won't go through the entire list but you have a process for everything there you have data strategy you have you know product strategy you 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 are compatible with the entire organizations once you're in strategic and then to get from there to transformative, I think is also not that hard, but that's not I I think not dependent on the optimization team itself also, although it plays a part. So usually the going from strategic to transformative happens when the company is really successful. So they're applying uh, data driven growth models. They are doing testing you know, their sales team is awesome. Their kind of, you know, support team uh, leverages uh, all of the good stuff from from experimentation and, and data-driven growth. And as they start hitting some roadblocks in terms of, you know, purely capacity, right? So so there, it's not, it, it actually becomes feasible to run AI-based uh, and, and machine learning augmented testing programs where, you know, you're running not, you know, Couple operation of variations, or ten variations. You're running hundreds of thousands of variations uh, of some items. Uh, it becomes feasible to hire a BI team. Actually, it becomes feasible a little bit earlier, but you know, kind of high-end BI team that can pivot data every way you want to get into granular cohorts, map stuff that you don't know. So, kind of start eliminating unknown, unknowns even, and stuff like that. So that's. That's that's I think more connected to the growth of the business and success of the business. There are versions of this uh, where strategic goes over to do transformative earlier as well, but then it's usually just some parts of it, right? So it's like somebody's trying out some some components or some you know kind of bits and pieces of, of transfer transformative level uh, experimentation programs. mm mm-hmm.
1: This has been very insightful. It's it's really helpful to see where you stack up. Uh, And and again, like what it does take to really uh, bring your program to the next level. Is there anything else that you'd like to share about the maturity audit with our listeners?
0: Mm, Maybe just to reiterate that context is king, right? So um, if you're a big corporation, you know, Fortune 500, 100, uh, the levels mean one thing uh, when you're, uh, you know, maybe... Ten million, you know, fifty million dollars a year uh, company. That means something totally else. So uh, there's a bit of a grain of salt. So if you take the survey uh, on the website, keep that in mind, and the, the the actual application of that model depends on your situation, uh, and we're you know more than happy to to help you there.
1: That's great to know. So for any of our listeners, we'll be sure to put the link to the maturity audit in the footnotes of this episode. So definitely go and check it out and and take the audit for yourself. See where you stack up and where you need to work and and where you're actually excelling. So thank you so much, Edgar, uh, for talking about the maturity audit. I'd love to ask you some more questions just about yourself as an experimenter in our lightning round. So. Uh, first big question for you is, uh, to describe yourself in five words or less.
0: Straight to the point.
1: Straight to the point. Okay. That's great. That is very straight to the point. <laughs> uh, your, what's your biggest experimentation pet peeve?
0: Oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> there's so many, I know. <laughs> um, forms, maybe there's something forms. about optimizing form flows. Um, that is kind of, you know, has stuck with me. Uh, I don't know why, but but yeah, there you have it.
1: I didn't expect that answer, but (laughs) that's interesting. Okay, okay. Um, Bayesian or frequentist? Uh, I know that's a tough one. It's very controversial (laughs) when I ask this one.
0: (laughs) I want to say context. If you don't know what you're doing, then frequentist. If you know what you're doing, then beige. Mm-hmm.
1: I think that's a great answer. And then lastly, who should we interview next?
0: That's an awesome question. Um, I might throw a curveball at you here. Uh, so I would actually be really interested in hearing um, from someone that does like real world in the, in the sense of physical optimization. Mm-hmm. So I know that storefronts are optimized. I know that layouts of card dashboards are optimized. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking like, how are they doing this? Like, what kind of process are they running? How do they get the input? Like, do they have A-B tests?
1: That's a really good uh, suggestion. I know um, Romil Santiago, our our founder of Experiment Nation, he's very keen on also seeing experimentation uh, outside of commerce, like also in sports, just in other disciplines of life. So um, Mm -hmm. we could definitely uh, venture out into uh, less digital spaces. I think that's a really cool uh, recommendation for us. So thank you so much, Edgar, for talking us through the experimentation maturity model. This has been so eye-opening for myself and I'm sure for many of our listeners. So thank you so much for, for giving us your time today.
0: It was a pleasure. Thank you for, for the invite. Hi, this is Romeo, founder of Experiment Nation. If you liked this episode, then consider signing up to our bi-weekly newsletter, where we share great interviews like this, editorials, memes, and other great content. You could subscribe at experimentnation.com forward slash newsletter.